Well, good morning. morning. Welcome to San Diego, right? 80 degrees. Wow. We've been waiting for this. We're freezing out here, right? It's about time. (laughs) Well, it's good to worship with the church. Um, Wow, those songs are just much needed, right? Get our focus back on Christ. I just want to... uh, begin our time with just a short story when I was in the eighth grade. It goes back. <laughs> but our class gathered together in a, a classroom around uh, a TV, a tube TV, right? Not the LEDs we have nowadays. And uh, yeah, we used to have something called space shuttles. <laughs> and we used to send crews up into space for missions and uh, we, we that day the class got to watch the space shuttle Challenger launch live okay and um, so we did we watched it live it went up and started its its ascent and 73 seconds later it exploded right before our eyes we were shocked right the whole class was looking around you know, what's what's going on we're looking at the teacher what just happened and uh, it was found out later after the investigation that those astronauts perished they lost their lives due to a faulty o-ring right in the rocket one of the rocket boosters and the engineers knew about it that's the sad thing but they the the lack of communication to the management that could have delayed the launch and saved their, their lives until a more opportune time could have that could have proven the critical point in saving their lives so NASA they failed to count the cost of their mission they failed miserably resulting in the deaths of seven astronauts and much like man without Christ Man without Christ will fail to count the true cost of following Jesus, leading to disappointment and lack of true faith, and in essence, spiritual failure. Spiritual failure. But the good news, like we sang this morning, we sang that Christ could shine into your night. He could drive the dark away, right? He came to remove man's inaccurate and faulty, disappointing preconceptions of following him that are incorrect. They're false. They're lies. And he focuses it where man, sinful man is, would willingly surrender everything to follow Jesus. He could drive the dark away in your life and redeem you from that, right? He could He could save you from spiritual failure in your life. So our our preaching point this morning is that God gave you this passage so that you would have a clear understanding of what it will cost you to follow Jesus. You'll have a clear understanding of what it will cost you to follow Jesus. 
And please turn to Luke chapter 9, verses 57. We're going to read, as Jason read earlier, Luke chapter 9, 57 to 62 is our passage this morning. In this passage, there are three convictions that God has given you this morning that you must possess in order to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. The first conviction that you must have in order to be a true follower of Jesus Christ is that you must resolve to leave your comforts to follow Christ. Look at verses 57 and 58. It says, so Christ is walking along the way, the path. And here we see him being approached by a man. Just, of course, if you read the Gospels, Christ was doing miraculous things. And people were noticing. And this is one of the men that noticed him. It says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So, first conviction you must have in order to be a true follower of Christ is that you must resolve to leave your comforts to follow him. You need to be willing to let the delights of this world go to follow him. In other words, what does it mean to leave your comforts to follow Christ? It means to resolve to leave just that, your comforts. It means to decisively surrender your earthly joys in order to gain eternal joys found only in a relationship with Jesus. We often think that, right? We all, still we often, that song we just sang, still we often go astray. We chase the world. We forget your grace. Right? Don't we get enamored by the shiny toys that this world has to offer? Still we often go astray. We chase the world. We forget God. But you need to resolve to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. You need to resolve to leave that. To stop chasing the world and to remember His grace for you. So resolve to leave it for His sake. Decisively surrender your earthly joy. That's only found, the only true joy is, that's only found in Jesus Christ. So this man presented here, what he wanted was just the benefits of following Jesus. He just wanted the benefits of following Jesus. He knew, he saw what Jesus did. He saw the crowds that were following him. And he said, I want to be in that. I want to be part of that. So he approached Jesus and he said, I will follow you wherever you go. Because all he was looking for was, he only saw the crowds. He only saw the popularity that 
came with following Jesus. So that's what he desired more than he wanted Jesus himself. He wanted the earthly joy. And he forgot his grace. He forgot the miracles. He forgot what Jesus did for sinners. And he was looking for the pleasures that happen now, here and now that are only temporary. And we often do that as well. Is that you this morning? Are you looking just for what Jesus can do for you? What benefits you could derive from being associated with the name of Jesus Christ? So this is what this man, he, this man presented here. That's all he wanted. He had no desire to sacrifice his own comfort to follow Jesus. He was not willing to deny himself to take up his cross daily and follow Christ Jesus. Luke 9, right? Earlier in this chapter. So, in contrast to this man, true believers, they'll do whatever it takes. They will forsake whatever they have so that they'll follow after Jesus because they are aware that He is my only hope in this life filled with sin and disappointment. Turn to Philippians 3.7 and let's hear a contrast of what a true believer says about Jesus rather than what this man said. And he, looked, he only looked at what Jesus could give him. The popularity, the prestige, the, the association, being a follower of Jesus. But look at what Paul says, the Apostle Paul says about Jesus in Philippians 3, 7. He says, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. He knew the true value of Christ. It wasn't in the earthly prestige or the popularity associated with following Jesus. The man presented here in verse 57 and 58 had it all wrong. But you see, Paul was that same man. In his own mind, he thought, I'm serving God. And he persecuted the church. He, he did it in the name of God. And you often think, just because I, I come to church and do this in the name of God, that you're covered, that you're associated with Him. But it doesn't cut it. You need to deny yourself, as Luke 9 says. Take up your cross daily and follow Him to count your earthly joys but rubbish like Paul did in view of who Christ is. Christ is the way, the truth, the life. There is no other way. 
There is no other way to have eternal life but through Him. In Matthew 13, 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. That is the that is what Christ calls you to to be a true follower is to forsake this earth to forsake your every, all the prestige and the and the the popularity of knowing Jesus just by name and owning him and he owning you and and proclaiming him as the way, the truth, and the life. Are you doing that? Are you, do you, have you seen Jesus as your only hope in this fallen, sinful world that we live in today? Filled with sin that only disappoints and leads to spiritual failure. And see Jesus as my spiritual victory. I have victory in Jesus, right? We sang that a couple weeks ago. There's victory in Jesus. My Savior forever. He surpasses this temporary world that we often follow and go astray. The shiny toys of this world have no comparison over this beautiful Jesus who alone offers life, true life. So follow Him. Are you seeking Christ for only what benefit, what will benefit you? Or do you truly see him as your only hope? If it's the latter case, if you see him as your only hope, and you see your sin, confess. Confess it now to him. Repent of your sin and say, God, I've been chasing just the association of being associated with you, but not owning you and you allowing you to own me, God. Would you forgive me? I confess my sin, my rebellion, my, my, my often going astray. And the good news is that when you do that, he says he will forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's a promise to all helpless sinners. That's all we could bring. Right? We have nothing in our hands to bring God. The only thing that we could bring Him is our sin. And say, God, this is all I got. Would you give me a new life? And He could do it. Because He promised it in His Word. Is that you today? Ask, ask Him to forgive you. And he promises that you will, you will not perish in hell for your sins any longer. But you'll have eternal life in heaven with him from this day going forward. So that's the first. That's our first conviction that you must have in order to possess uh, 
in order to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, to resolve to leave your comforts to follow him. J.C. Ryle, he once said, What will it cost a man to be a true Christian? It will cost him his self-righteousness. He must cast away all pride and high thoughts and conceit of his own goodness. He must be content to go to heaven as a poor sinner, saved only by free grace. And owning all to the merit and righteousness of another, Jesus Christ alone. Is that you? You could have eternal life in him today. If you own all that he is. And that you say, Lord, take all my sin. And he'll give you his righteousness in exchange for your, your sin. Your filth. Your hopelessness and despair. He'll gladly take it. And give you hope and peace. Wouldn't you you want that? Come to him this morning. So that's the first. The first conviction that you must have. Secondly, you must respond without hesitation. When Christ calls you to follow him. Verse 59 and 60. Look at those two verses. It says, and he said to another, so almost as if this new man that he's encountering overheard the first conversation. And he turns to Jesus and he said to another, follow me. But he, but he said, Lord, permit me first to go bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. So, respond without hesitation when Christ calls you to follow him. What does that mean? It means to immediately listen and react to God's word to follow Jesus. It means to immediately listen and react. The definition is... Responding without hesitation when Christ calls you to follow him means that you immediately set aside yourself. You immediately set your side aself, your, your, yourself aside in order to obey God's commands and will for your life. The man presented here wanted to follow Christ on his own terms. Is that you this morning? Are you saying in your own heart, I'll follow you, but on only under my, my conditions, not what is clearly written in the words of Christ. It's neglect. It's spitting in his face and saying, I don't care what you say. I'll follow you. But only on under my what under what I'm saying. That that's outright rebellion and and irreverence to God. That's saying God, you listen to me rather than I'll listen to you. 
the God of the universe, how dare you? How dare you say, you listen to me, God. I'll follow you under my terms. How dare you? But God here is clearly saying, it's the flip side. Don't go that route. Don't go down that road of sin by saying, I could follow you any way I want, Jesus. That is a lie that this world tries to be the voice in your ear. The world tells you you could follow Jesus any way you want. But Jesus himself says no. You follow him under his terms. You follow Christ by his word, by his command, by what he says, not by what you say. Again, that verse comes in, in direct application. Luke 9, earlier in this chapter, says, And he was saying to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. It doesn't say, take up whatever agenda that man has, then follow Christ. It says, he must deny himself first. Take up his cross daily and follow me. There's clear direction that God provides here. Are you falling in line with what he's saying? Or are you falling in line with your own agenda and your own plan to follow after him? It's not going to work your way. It's not going to work your way. That's going to lead to spiritual failure. And God lovingly is pleading with you this morning, do it my way. The way that leads to life. Be, be a true disciple of mine by obeying what I say in my word that is utterly clear. There's no, no denying the guidance that God has given you here. God has made it so clear of the conviction you must have is to respond without hesitation when Christ calls you to follow him. And we have some Marines and Marine families here this morning. And we, we love talking to we love talking to them and finding out how their life is. And when you enlist as a Marine, right? Berrien knows this. Solombitas knows this. Stephanie and Andre, they know this. When you enlist as a Marine, are you your own? You are not your own. Josh told me he worked 18 and 24-hour shifts for like weeks at a time. And that is not by choice. That is by order. Because he is not his own. You take... The orders, where they tell you to go, you go. That's why some of the Marines, like Ellie and Fictum, they're not here today. Because they're, where their commanding officer told them, 
You go to training over here in 29 Palms. That's why they're not here today. They take direct orders from their commanding officer. Eat what I, I tell you to eat. They eat in the mess hall, right? right? When they'd rather go to Applebee's and eat, right? Fajitas. They have to settle for whatever's on the menu at the mess hall. Because they are told to eat what they tell you to eat. Go where they tell you to go. Do what I tell you to do. Hike for 18 hours. And then tomorrow, 24 hours. And then do it again. They understand. And this is what God is calling you. You can't call the shots with him. Are you trying to call the shots with God? And say, I'll follow you, but on my terms. When I say I, I want to go here, I'm going to do that first, God, before I follow you. I'm going to eat what I want to eat before I follow you. I'm going to do what I want to do before I follow you. Or are you saying, I can't do that. That's sin. That's sinning against God himself. I have to, I have to confess. I have to repent. From my rebellion. I have to bow my knee and say, God, what am I doing? Would you spare me? Would you save me? Would you cleanse me? Would you change me? He can do that, right? He could do that for you this morning. But you, the criteria of true discipleship is that you respond without hesitation. When he tells you to go his way, do it his way. Don't insist your own, your own way. Second Timothy 2.3 says, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. God is trying to spare, he's pleading with you this morning to spare you from a life of spiritual ruin. Would you come to him? Would you bow the knee and say, you're king, you're commander, you're Lord, and I must bow. And if you're, you're insisting your own way, you're in sin. And you need to repent. And you need to ask him for forgiveness and say, God, would you forgive me? And give me a new life in Jesus that only he could give me. What life essentials cause you to hesitate when Christ calls you to follow him? As you think about that today. Because this man, what, what is presented here, this man, if you read and study this section, he's asking to bury his father. But his father wasn't even dead yet. That's why he says, let the dead, allow the dead to bury their own dead. Because there is a... A difference between the priorities of the world and the priorities of God. Christ says, 
the worldly priority shouldn't be your your priority. Don't hesitate to follow me based off these worldly things that could cause hesitation in your life. There's a greater priority than these things that are passing away. It's proclaiming the kingdom of God. What I'm proclaiming to you today, this man, as Jesus was, Jesus was telling him the truth. He was saying, the road you're going down, those priorities are the wrong priorities. Those are earthly, temporary, passing away. And he was pointing him to say, rather, go proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. That's the priority. That's where true life is found, is pursuing the kingdom of God. Are you on the right side? Are you pr- pursuing the right path? Or are you going down the wrong path? The earth that's temporal, failing, that leads to spiritual ruin. Or are you following Jesus who guarantees life? He says, for whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Are you down that path? Christ is pleading with you today, this morning. Follow him. Pursue what he says rather than your own agenda. So that's... the second conviction that you must have in order to possess... uh, to be a true disciple, a true follower of Jesus Christ. First, you must resolve to leave your comforts to follow Christ is the first conviction. Second conviction is that you must respond without hesitation when Christ calls you to follow him. And the last conviction that Christ is calling you this morning is to refuse to put priority relationships Before following Christ. Refuse to put your priority relationships before following Christ. Verses 61 and 62. Look what look at those two verses. It says, And another man, so another also another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, No, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So what does it mean to refuse to put your priority relationships before following Christ? It means to let your favorite people even, your favorite people, To, be, to come second in order of following Christ. Right? We love people, right? I, we love each other. Look at the fellowship we had right before the, the, the preaching began. We love seeing each other. Right? We love our immediate family. And Christ is not saying that to, to, to refuse to give them affection and love. 
our family. But he's saying, put me first. Put me first. Even over our dearest mom, dad, right? Don't you love certain people in your life? I love going back to NorCal and I still have a key to my mom and dad's house. That's how much they love me. That's how much I love them. I have free access. I could go in their home and open the refrigerator. But if someone, a stranger would do that, my dad would do something, right? (laughs) He would do something. But we all have our priority relationships. That might be family. That might be even your closest friends. Our dear church family. But are they coming on are they coming before Jesus? You know, at, at work right now we have this team building thing, this team building task where we give our top priorities. Three top priorities for each manager we have to tell each other. And as we go around the circle, it's it's relationships that are at the top. See, man reverses it, the order. God should be at the top. But nine out of ten in that circle said, what, what's the number one priority in your life? Family. And if, if they were single, they would say, friends. You see how, how much weight we give? priority relationships in our lives but that could too could be sinful if placed before Jesus place him first so the, what's the definition it's refusing to put these dear loved ones these friendships it's refusing to put them before following Christ it means to fight your sinful tendency to put loved ones and close family ties before him. Because we love. In fact, the reason for that is because God created you to be relational. When he created Adam, he walked with him in the garden regularly. There was fellowship. He created you that way, but we reverse it. We turn it on its head and we Mess it up. But Christ came to redeem and place the order back in the right place. Is that you this morning? Are you placing your top relationships ahead of what God has meant to be Christ on top and then everything else to fall in line afterward? Then Again, confess. Repent of your sin and look to Christ as your remedy for that. Christ, you're my only hope. You are the way, the truth, the life. The gospel says that all who believe in him, confess and repent of their sins, shall not perish but have eternal life. That's a promise. And that could be true of you this morning. So run to Christ. He'll forgive you. As you believe that he came 
to redeem you from your sin. Your greatest sins, these three areas. And He could give you a new heart so that those things grow strangely dim. They are not as shiny as they once were. And they, they now seem foolish, just like Paul, right? I count them but rubbish now for the sake of Christ. I see the folly and the failure that this world tries to present itself as joy, but it's not joy. It's temporary joy. It may provide happiness and, and contentment for a little while, but Christ is lasting, eternal life and joy. So this man presented here had fa strong family ties. It's obvious. He said, Lord, let me just say goodbye. We do that. We're, we wanna, it's hard for us to say goodbye, right? Koa, it takes us an hour, right? Saying, yeah, I think I'm going to leave. I'm going to get one more coffee. I'm gonna. And then you're wake, working your way out, and you're just, you meant to go 40 minutes ago. It's hard because we have strong family ties and friendship ties. So this was this man. He had strong family ties. He said, let me go say goodbye. Permit me to say goodbye to those at home. It was hard for him to break away from, from his family. You value your close relationship with, with people, especially family, and, and there's fear, right? I'm sure there's fear when we leave. I remember the first time I left, my mom cried. I went, we were going to be married. I left the, that night, right, before our, our, our wedding morning, and my mom cried because there's this fear. You know, she's like, man, my son's going, you know, I could think of that day. There's fear, family, strong family ties. You're worried. My mom was worried. There's my boy making a, stepping out on his own. There's fear of separation. And even ridicule being associated with the name of Jesus. There's fear of that too. Jesus could give you peace, even in, and he he doesn't promise a bed of roses and and sunny days every day, but he does promise to be with you to the end of the age. If you trust him, he 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 boldly says to you, "Go right to to do as he as he commands you to do to go, make disciples of all nations, and lo, I'll be with you." Jesus provides the boldness. He provides the new life. He provides the new heart. He provides the new desires. The new the new convictions. And he could give you everything you need for life and godliness, the word of God says. So why would you not come to him today? 
if he provides everything. And it starts with bowing your knee, confessing your sin, and saying, I've been doing it my way, God. Would you forgive me? Would you wash away my rebellion, my sin? Would you take, a, take it? And would you give me your righteousness? Is that you this morning? He's offering that to you. So it's not a bad thing. These special relationships that we have with friends, church, family, mom, dad, brother, sister. But look at Luke 14.26. Luke 14.26 says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's what Luke 14.26 says. So he says, in comparison, he doesn't say, he says, in comparison to, to knowing and loving Jesus, your other relationships need to even be regarded as hate. Right? In comparison, I love my parents, but Jesus is always going to be first. Right? I remember being single. My pastor would always say, right, Good, look for a woman that loves Jesus more than she loves you. Right? Christ should come first. Even, even over a fiancé or even over your mom, your dad. It must look as if you hate them in comparison to Jesus. How do your relationships look? Even with parents. We could put our kids, we love our kids, right? Have a thousand pictures on the walls with them. And they're on our phone, right? We, we love them dearly, but are they be put on the pedestal above Jesus? Or is Jesus at the top and you're saying, God, I love my kids. I love my wife. I love my husband. I love my mom and dad. I love my church family. But in comparison to you, Jesus, I it's a, I regard them as, as if I hated them in comparison. Not that you hate them, but the Lord is saying they should come second to the priority of Jesus that he needs to be in your life. Where is Jesus in your life this morning? John 3.30 says, He must increase, but I must decrease. Even in relationships, you know, right? Charles Spurgeon said once said, if Christ is not all to you, he is nothing to you. He must be all. He demands all. Because he is the way, the truth and life. He is the only way, truth and life. So if he's not all to you. He's nothing to you. So what we see in closing is what we see here is that in this passage there are three convictions that you must possess in order to be a true follower. You must resolve to leave your comforts to follow Jesus Christ. You must respond without hesitation when Christ calls you to follow him. 
And lastly, you must put your priority relationships. You must refuse to put your priority relationships before following Jesus Christ. I'm just going to end with a quote and a verse. John MacArthur once said, For the true disciple, Christ is everything. For the true disciple, Christ is everything. And he must have first place. As I, as I think of this closing verse, Colossians 1.18 says, He, meaning Christ, referring to Christ, He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. Does Christ have first place in every aspect of your life this morning? If not, He means nothing to you because He requires full allegiance, full worship, full reverence. Are you giving that to Him today? If not, He's calling you. What a loving God that He's warning you even today. If you don't have these convictions... He's bringing it to your attention and putting it in your face just like he did these three men. He confronted them and he's confronting you today. What stands before you following after Christ? Is it these three convictions? Repent today. Confess your sin. And he'll give you forgiveness and eternal life found only in him. So why don't we pray? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that Christ came to show us what it means to be a true disciple. God, your word is clear. Help anyone here this morning, if they don't know you, Lord, to consider what your word says. You can't do it on your own terms. You must do it on his terms. Whether it be regarding yourself, your possessions, your, your relationships, they all must come under the Lordship of Jesus. And if there's sin involved, Lord, then these are the, th- the three areas that prevent them from following after you. Lord, help them to repent of these sins, to confess them to you. And you promise to forgive them their sins and cleanse them from all unrighteousness so that they will not perish, but have eternal life in Jesus Christ this morning. Thank you, Lord. Bless our time of worship now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, brother. You got me? Thanks, brother, for that. That was encouraging. Thank you. He says, Dre said, a number of very important things that you need to have a clear understanding of what it means to of what it will cost you to follow Jesus grace and forgiveness is absolutely free but it does cost to follow Jesus it does cost to truly follow him this is not, uh, did you guys notice, this is not your modern evangelism thing. I mean, if 
Jesus took an evangelism course with the modern church, they'd be like, Jesus, you're not doing this right. They obviously want to follow you. What are you doing? Telling people to turn away. What are you doing? And so what Jesus does is he talks about, and I was just thinking about his uh, Dre's points, to resolve to leave your comforts and to respond without hesitation and to pri- uh, refuse to prioritize relationships over Christ. He, he touches on the three very important things of our life, that is the our residence, where we're going to live. You notice that Jesus was homeless. Our riches, because he wanted that inheritance when his dad died. And our relationships. Again, this is not the modern church. And you know what? This is not special forces Christianity. This is not like only super Christians do this. Brothers and sisters, this is basic Christianity. This is called of every Christian who, who claims the name of Christ. That I'm going to give up everything for him. And I know. I mean, sometimes we look at each other. We can't, I can't even look at each other in the eyes sometimes because we're going to start weeping. I know what you gave up. I know what you give up for him. Some of you did give up your residences to follow him. Some of you gave up a lot of riches to follow him. And sadly, some of you had to walk away from relationships to follow him. I know that. And it's not that we hate or we're like what Andre said, not like we hate people. We don't want to hate people. It is a comparison of how much we love Christ so much more. That if our residences and our riches and our relationships start to take away, start to point away from Christ, we have to do discipleship and follow Jesus. Amen? Amen? This is basic Christianity. Or I I call it the fundamentals. Right? It is an all-absorbing, all-abandoning. Remember that old Stephen Curtis Chapman, for the sake of the call, Christianity. Amen? Amen? For his glory. Because he's worth it. So count the costs. Look at what it is going to cost you and pay it for his glory. Amen. Oh, young people, young people right now. Oh, it is so amazing to follow Christ. Don't let your peers stop you from following Christ. Don't let activities stop you from following Christ. Give it all to him you will never regret it you will never i'll tell you this i've been following christ for 25 years there is not one time i could think of when i chose christ over sin and i regretted it i have a lot of regrets when i chose sin over christ or things that were just that would block my relationship with Christ. What are you holding back, brothers and sisters? If, if there's an area in your life, what are you holding back? What sin are you harboring? Give it all to Him.
Thank you, Dre, for that exhortation. Let's sing this last song. <laughs>